With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on our first Monday episode of the new year. Look, it is what it is. We're here, and I'm I'm happy to be here. For the first time since the start of the new year, with the two people I like to talk to on Sunday nights when we record this particular episode, and partially as well, we've been putting it off because I just didn't feel, just wasn't ready to do this and have to do a lot of heavy lifting all by myself. One episode a week at that is fine. Uh, joining me as they do, JSJ, Jamie Steyer Johnson, the Vibe Queen herself, back on the show. Jamie? Oh, we're back. We're, uh, on the way to maybe thriving, we'll see. But Ooh. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm watching as as hopefully the Niners are close the sucker out. Just mm-hmm. thumbs mm-hmm. up, good vibes. Come on, Brock Purdy. Well, at this point, it's not his defense. Oh. <laughs> We should be fine. Uh, also joining us, a man whose NFL team is already advanced, but not without a concerning ankle issue. That would be the Rock Chalk podcast host himself, Andy Mitz. Yeah, um, sports didn't happen this weekend at all. So I, I, I don't know what they you guys won. are talking about. So The Chiefs won. You're okay. Yeah, but a Mahomes injury, I like, I'm not looking forward to, to deal with the fallout of that. So like I said, this entire sports weekend just didn't happen. Fair enough. Fair enough, Andy. Fair enough. Uh, We're not going to go too long tonight. I know I've said that in the past, and then it's an hour later and we're finally wrapping up, but I'm literally going to like, no, we're done. We're going to cut off. So whatever point we get to in this episode, even if we spend 20 minutes rambling about Kansas versus Iowa State on the women's side, I don't care. We have a we have a cutoff point, and we're going to hit it. Because by golly, my woman, my wife has me on some weird fast thing for the next three days. So I'm going to get some sleep because I'm not allowed coffee for the next three days. And by God, I'm not going to be up till 1 a.m. editing this episode and then trying to do that tomorrow. So I love her. And so, you know, sometimes for love, you agree to things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you're going to do it anyway. And by God, you're going to smile through it. So let's talk a little basketball. It seems like the sport to cover at this point and juncture of the year. Andy, I got to be honest. Kansas does this every year. They yeah. get blown out in a game. It feels like there's like a two or three game losing streak every year. I know that three game losing streaks aren't actually something that happens very often, but it does feel like Kansas has some like, oh, what a, whoa is Kansas? They've gone on a losing streak. They've fallen to fourth place 
And then because Kansas is inevitable, they end up winning the Big 12 anyway. So getting blown out at home by a TCU team who at one point was hitting like 82% of their shots, if I recall correctly, in the first half, just doesn't worry me all that much. Like, I know it's not great. My one concern at this point is this. Uh, Grady Dick, the last couple games, not been uh, not been great from, from three. Not been awesome. Uh, a guy that they have relied on heavily to hit those perimeter shots ain't hitting them. So like, what is your, what's your primary takeaway from Saturday? Just like crumble it up, throw it the trash and move on. Or is there any takeaway from that game you should actually be concerned about? I mean, it's definitely a crumble it up and throw it away. I mean, there are, there are a few things. I'm not that worried about Grady Dick. Um, most freshmen run into this sort of wall where, especially if they start the year out hot teams start to adjust to how they play and can give them some problems. And it's just a matter of him now adjusting to that. Um, I get the feeling he's going to figure it out. It's not like he's been taking bad shots. He just hasn't been hitting them. He's been letting a few things kind of, you know, affect the the way that he's taking those shots. So I, I, I get the feeling that he'll be okay. It's just a matter of time, but definitely worried about the fact that it seems like, you know, for Kansas to even be in a game, Jalen Wilson has to go off for, you know, 25 to 30 points. Um, the rest of this team and look, Dewan Harris hit his head against Kansas State, and I'm not saying that he has a concussion. I'm not saying that there's, you know, some ill effects from that, but he seemed to be a little different than normal the rest of the Kansas State game and then had an awful game. It could just be a coincidence having an awful game against TCU because TCU is one of those teams that, that can just randomly jump up and bite you. But it definitely seemed like there was something going on there. He was off. Didn't help that Bobby Pettiford and Joseph Yesufu were off. I think what we found out is that this team, the, the margins for this team are a little bit thinner than they were last year. Um, and I think also the Big 12 is a lot better than it was last year. You can have a TCU team that gets demolished by Kansas State, turn around and shoot the lights out, you know, in Allen Fieldhouse. Like this is this is one of those, um, well, these games where Kansas gets boat raced, you have about one a season typically. And usually it's a team that is making 20% plus more three-pointers than they usually do, which if you look at TCU, they that's basically what they did. Um, and Kansas just isn't able to, uh, to pull enough firepower together. Um, the fact that it took, you know, positive signs, Kevin McCarthy was back to having a good game. There was a couple of spots where his defense weren't, well, it wasn't quite as good as you would hope it to be, but his offense was seemed to be back. Um, it's just a matter of, this team does not have a lot of depth. And so if you have starters that don't perform well, there's not a lot of different places that you can go. KJ Adams also getting into foul trouble didn't really help much. Um, you know, he was off all day long just because he couldn't get into a rhythm because he got called for a foul every single time. So so this should put to bed the Kansas gets every single call in Allen Field House because there was some some interesting foul calls in that game against TCU that Kansas had to struggle through and we're not able to fair enough uh everybody if you want more on that game and more about kansas jayhawks make sure you're listening to the rock chalk podcast andy of course is the host and does an incredible job jamie let's talk over to the team that you cover interesting week for iowa state on the women's side this week obviously without uh their head coach who lost his mother um and i believe your mother since we're talking about moms was the one who was uh, filling in as the head coach in a position that she May not love doing, but absolutely <laughs> thrived in this week, in my personal unbiased opinion. Uh, what what do we take away from Iowa State so far? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. She she stepped in for Oklahoma State. Thankfully, had Coach Fenn back for Kansas. Uh, about one of those. Uh, I don't I don't know that she'd be a uh, real uh real thriving on two Big Twelve games in a row. You know, one one's about enough. But uh, no, I mean, I was I was real impressed. Um, there's still been a, a lot of question marks to to figure out ever since you know since the last time we talked we <laughs> we lost stephanie Suarez like that that changes everything um so it, it took a little bit of time to adjust uh but just to to find some production to fill that spot uh, you, you're not going to fully fill her shoes in the same way that she would but against kansas you have 20 points coming off the bench between nymir and doing izzy zingaro um against oklahoma state you had i mean i really went off in that game as well so it's been really fun just to watch her um get get a little bit more comfortable out there on the floor again i really came along in big 12 play last year and so uh they, they need her you know um and then obviously morgan kane is a player who got thrust into the basically same situation last year of just saying hey you know what this this was probably never going to be your role when you came here and yet here we are you know you're you're our first big man uh going out there if we're starting a five we're starting you and so um she's she's really been solid on the defensive end of the court still getting the offensive end still getting her feet under her down there but uh what i really have been impressed with is the defense uh when you lose your rim protector when you lose a 6-6 kid at the rim you expect to have to figure things out on defense you expect your defense is not going to be quite as good but Danae fritz has been incredible um she's she's rivaling lexi denarski at times in terms of her ability to lock players down and that is not something that i say lightly uh then you get your posts in there, able to really body up to people. You get, again, Nye, who's so long. You get Emily Ryan and Ashley Jones, who are going to play the bulk of the game, and they're in there fighting. Um, it, it's been really, really impressive just to find as they continue to find more ways to to be good because you're going to have to be good in, in a different way when you lose a player like Steph. Um, so, so to see other people stepping up, to see them – just finding new angles, finding new things that they could do to uh, improve themselves, improve the t team has been, it's, it's really rewarding. It's really fun uh, to see as different people have these opportunities and obviously going out and getting wins while they're utilizing that opportunity. So I want to talk about the women's side a little bit um, because I do think that is important. Oklahoma leads the standings overall at six and one in conference play right now. Iowa state and Texas at five and two West Virginia, Baylor and Texas tech, or sorry, West Virginia and Baylor at four and three. Texas Tech, Kansas, and Oklahoma State at three and four, and then you have Kansas State at two and five, and TCU at, at zero and seven. I'm gonna set TCU aside because they're just like they're just they're not very good, and that's fine. Um, Kansas State, obviously, Aoka Lee not having her is is really impacting them now that they're in Big Twelve play. They've got a couple of wins under their belt, but I, and they might get a few more. There's still enough talent there to pull off an upset here or there, uh, but outside of that, I to kind of take them out outside of that the other eight teams i'm not ready to count the three and fours out of the race i don't think we they're really in the conversation uh, because oklahoma only has the one loss and seems to be finding ways to get their wins but i'm not going to count them out this early into the standings i mean we look at like a team in oklahoma state who is three and four i mean you just had 
back-to-back losses on the road at Iowa State by five, in Red River on the road at Oklahoma by four. This is a good team. The top to bottom this conference, the depth is not the same as the men's because you have Kansas State and TCU at the bottom there, but this this is really good conference. It's a really deep conference. I know we talked with Justin Carter a couple weeks ago, and he, he estimated maybe six teams in the tournament. I'm having a hard time looking at this and saying, I, I think seven teams is a realistic goal for this Big 12, maybe even eight, just because it is deep, it is good, and I think there's enough of these teams at the bottom are going to find opportunities for wins along the way. And I think you're right on that many teams being deserving. I think Justin's more right on how many are going to get get in because the big 12 is not being looked at in the same way this year. And a lot of that is because, well, it's not Baylor at the top. And that's kind of the barometer that so many, you know, people have used nationally for a long time. And so when you have Baylor take maybe half a step back and again, they're fine, they're going to be in the conversation for winning the big 12. That's just the way that that program is the way that that team is. But when it's not Baylor at the top and you use them as a metric for everyone else's success, it's like people don't really know what to do with the Big 12. And that's when you end up with a league that beats up on each other, has very, very competitive games, has a lot of teams that are capable of winning a lot of games, and yet it's going to get discounted a little bit. So it's it's hard to watch it that way, but if if someone doesn't really separate themselves, if you don't have two teams that run away with it, you're going to have everyone beating up on each other. And that's just used that as, as a detraction. When on the men's side, it's, oh, look how good the Big 12 is. So it, it's certainly a little bit frustrating just to see that where like I could not I could not even fathom the fact that. Oklahoma State wasn't receiving votes last week in the AP poll because they 100% deserved it. There's been times where Kansas gets dinged so drastically for, you know, losing a game that I think teams in other conferences, teams not called Kansas women's basketball, wouldn't get dinged as drastically for. And it just gets hard to see these these persons perceptions clouding the way that teams are judged but that's just the way women's basketball is there's not a lot you can do about it right now but it it is just disheartening as a big 12 basketball fan the other problem for the big 12 we've noted this in the past there is some wiggle room in the net on the men's side it is a tool used by the selection committee to fill out the field it is not the end all be all we've seen teams in the net ranking lower get in over teams higher on the women's side, it's pretty much a just go down the list in order, and for your for your your um auto for the bids, and that's who's getting in. Tough to everybody else. Um, for the Big Twelve right now, and we can talk about why it shouldn't be that way, but there's just not any transparency on the inside right now. Texas and Iowa State at eleven and twelve in the net. Baylor at twenty four, Kansas at thirty three, Oklahoma leads the conference at forty three, Oklahoma State at forty seven. I mean, to me, Oklahoma State right now is kind of sitting on that edge of when you take once you get the tournament champs in, kind of on the edge there. You go all the way down to West Virginia at 67, Kansas State at 69, nice Texas Tech at 70. And those three teams have a lot of work to do if they really do want to get a bid. It's just I believe the cutoff from previous years is around that 48 point line. Am I correct, Jamie? 
I don't know. I'm, I actually am terrible about following those metrics and you would think that I would be a lot more familiar with them because like you said, they're a lot more concrete on the women's side and they're not, I had no idea where Iowa state landed even at this particular moment. That was news to me. I'm glad to hear that, but I I'm terrible with the match. I just kind of, I just kind of see things as they come. I have voiced my complaint. I'll do it this season. I bought the way the net set up on the women's basketball side irritates me. There's no quad system. So there's no, there is no, there is less transparency about how the net rankings work on the women's side because there is no quad one, two, three, four. I had built an Excel doc using quad system, like using the same way as the men to try and equate some of that out. And it kind of translates the same. They just don't, and maybe it still works that way. They just don't point it out, which is stupid to me. Again, shocker, the NCAA handling women's sports in piss poor manner. Can't believe that's a thing that would ever happen. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like it's they don't because... think that there's like home as significant of home court advantages and stuff in the women's game. And they are being lazy about it. And let's. Gosh, that's ridiculous. But there. no, I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, the, the state of analytics in the women's game is probably at the same spot that men's was about 10 years ago. And that, you know, if you have, recently. well, yeah, I mean, you have, you have, you know, new things, for example, CBB analytics, you know, that does a similar sort of thing to what, like what Ken Palm does, but now there's like 15 different Ken Palm systems on the men's side. Not very many people pay attention to the women's side nearly as much. And so, you know, it used to be that the net or, the RPI before was like the thing you looked at for the men's side for the most part. And I think we're finally at the point where people are starting to pay more attention to the women's side, but there's not a general acceptance of advanced stats on the women's side nearly as much as there was, or as there has been on the men's side. And I think just part of that is just that they're behind in terms of people paying attention and thinking that there's going to be, you know, kind of enough thinking that there's enough data that they've compiled to be, to be good um, at, kind of predicting what's happening. You look over on CBB analytics, because again, I love the stuff that they're doing over there. I use it all the time because for my women's previews. You know, they have Texas up at the top at, at number 12 overall, just nationwide, followed closely by Baylor at 19, Iowa State at 35, Kansas at 50, and Oklahoma at 64. So the fact that Oklahoma's further down in the net kind of makes sense to me. If you look at, you know, what Oklahoma does, their defense is very, very bad compared to it everybody else in the conference basically um with the exception of oklahoma state actually um but their offense is just absolutely ridiculously good and that's what we saw for oklahoma in you know in them running out kansas was able to shut them down for you know a good half and then oklahoma's offense got going again and kansas wasn't able to keep up like oklahoma is a team that if they can get their shots then they are very very good i don't know how long they're going to be able to stay up at the top of the conference just because i don't know that they can consistently rely on that offense bailing them out when their defense can't stop people. So an interesting note, you brought up CBB analytics and shout out to CBB analytics for helping us out this season uh, with some incredible, this is the kind of stuff that's typically sent to uh, teams. Like we're, we're looking at stuff that, that head coaches are able to see. Um, and we really appreciate it. They are on Twitter. If you want to go and give them a follow, I would suggest that you do. Um, and as soon as I can find their Twitter handle, I'll tell you, it is at CBB Analytics. That was so nice, wasn't it? Made it pretty uh, on the easy side, for you. Yeah, shocker. Look, I, I, I've started doing something where I pull up two tabs at the same time. 
And we'll look at the team four factors, obviously. And to look at net rating, offensive rating, and defensive rating. And I'll pull up the full season numbers, which are really good, right? Those You want to look at those. Same thing for the men's. Looks awesome. You pull up the full season. And then I pull up Big 12 play and look at how different those look. Because, obviously, conference play is going to have a drastic effect. And playing the Big 12 schedule is far better than some of the non-conference schedules that some teams <coughs> Texas Tech uh, schedule for themselves. And so on the women's side, look, you look at everybody and yeah, overall season, Oklahoma, 27th percentile defensive rating, Oklahoma State, 32nd percentile. Let's look at a team like Texas Tech, 44th percentile. Not not good, not great. That is overall for the season. Then we go to to just conference play. Oklahoma's in the ninth percentile. It's bad. Oklahoma State, the number the first percentile. That's awful. Texas Tech's all the way down to zero. They're in the zeroth percentile. Literally, it's like nobody is this bad except you. Uh I'm sorry to pick Texas Tech as a team to dog on here, but the point is, once we get to the conference play, it's really interesting to see like who's actually performing well in conference. Oklahoma offensive rating, yeah, 96 percentile. They've they've been really good. In fact, if you're looking at this conference, the problem I think for the Big 12 is how good the offense has been. You've got Oklahoma in the 96th, Texas in the 92nd, uh, Texas Tech in the 90th, Oklahoma State in the 86th percentile. You got a couple in the 60s, the Baylor and Iowa State. It's this is an offensive heavy league conference to me yeah and, and, and that's been kind it of the makes difficult. it fun well and, and that's been kind of the difficult thing too because there was a lot of really good defenses in the non-conference like kansas they had a great non-conference record because of their defense and how well it was playing but now you look at their def- at their defense now and it's really i mean it's it's 40th overall nationwide right now that's come way down it was all the way up at like 21st in the non-conference and so it has been very difficult for a lot of teams going against these big 12 teams that are really good offensively to be able to keep up that defensive pressure. So maybe I have to take back what I said about Oklahoma with so many teams that are offensive. If you can outshoot everybody, then you're going to have a good shot. The problem of course, being as we're seeing with teams like, you know, Kansas or Baylor or other teams on the men's side is that there are going to be nights where you just don't have your shooters. They're just not shooting well. And so why they lost you can to take, Baylor. Yeah. You can take losses, but you know, Overall, I think the fact that we have some really good offense is going to serve them well come tournament time. You know, Kansas, I'll put this out, non-conference, Kansas defense, defense rating, 77.2, 98th percentile in non-conference for Kansas. Conference play, 35th. Like, and like I'm not, there's only three teams in the green. Everyone else is in red. Like defensive rating, Texas in the 64th percentile, Iowa State's in 74th, Baylor's in the 84th. Everyone else's defensive rating in Big 12 play is bad like that not not good well it's a tough not a good adjustment too when you're coming in and, and sure you're having to do that i mean it's it's not necessarily indicative of like this, this is going to be the entire rest of the season but it's a it's a solid point to make of like hey maybe set yourself up for success and like schedule tough teams and the non-con so that you're not having to adjust and really struggling to defend as soon as you come in. And I'm not saying that that's everyone's issue, but I'm saying that if you're not attempting to do that, it's probably would help you. So um, do we want to make some predictions at this point? Do we think Oklahoma who sits atop the conference standings at six and one right now is the team that's going to win the, the regular season trophy? Well, first of all, there is no regular season trophy, but as I know, but you know what I mean. Times, but um, <laughs> no, it uh, matters. 
honestly, you know, and and Jamie and I were talking about this over on the Rock on the Rock Chalk podcast when she came over to kind of talk about the conference as a whole. Oklahoma has been very fortunate, I think, with the way that their schedule is, has played out so far. The games on the road have been at, at Texas Tech, you know, at TCU, at those teams that you would expect them to be able to beat pretty handily on the road. Whereas the games at home have been against much tougher teams. I think when they, when they get into the back end of their schedule, it's very similar to what Kansas had last year, where mm-hmm. they started out the beginning of the conference season with games that were winnable and stuff that they could do early. And then they faded down the stretch. I think Oklahoma's going to do the same. I don't know how far back to the pack they're going to come though. Like I still think that they could finish top three or four in, in the conference. I just think that the way that their schedule is setting up, it's going to be, I think, difficult for them to stay out front like they are. And they're, the one thing, not, not the the one thing, but one big thing that acts in Oklahoma's favor is they're really, really deep. I mean, they regularly are playing like a dozen people in a game. Like, that is absurd. The other thing that works in their favor is that the Big 12 is a conference that historically has had at least half of the teams with a really, really good post player. And that is, I mean, it's just not really the case in the same way this year. You've got Tiana Jackson, you've got Texas, who has a handful of them, and the rest of the league, they've got good posts that are there, but you don't have the really dominant five-man that, Oklahoma would struggle to contain in any way, shape, or form, given that they themselves do not have one. And so you they don't have the matchup issues that they would have if they were playing in the Big 12 of, say, three years ago. So if they're going to make a run at it, this is a pretty good year for it. A lot of it, I think, still is going to come down to Rory Harmon went down with a knee injury today, Sunday, against Baylor in the fourth quarter. If she's out, Texas is in trouble, okay? Their other guards have certainly come on, but that's a byproduct of the fact that she's running the offense. Well, and and we saw what happened earlier this year when she was out. Exactly, exactly. If you can't get the ball to the post, they're not going to do a whole lot. So um, that's definitely going to be really really impactful Baylor once again you know Texas beat them Baylor just struggling with their lack of depth and so I don't know what comes of that as as the year goes on because we didn't see that as as much of an issue until later in the conference season last year Baylor struggled a little bit in the beginning to adjust figure it out and then by the end of the conference season a little bit of that lack of depth showed but not enough to hold them off from the regular season title Iowa State you're still reeling you're still adjusting to having two fewer post players than you expected to I mean there's so many question marks that I'm not gonna say for sure one way or the other Oklahoma is or is not but I think they have a very legitimate path to do so well and and to kind of keep going down the line there like even Kansas has been struck like this was the year where you're like, hey, they finally have the post to like, but you know, bang down low course, and really kind of yeah. play against everybody. And then now everybody plays a completely different style because nobody else really mm-hmm. has a, a mm-hmm. big coach. So Kansas has, um, it's it's not like they have made a mistake tactically, right? In in going to this and everybody moved away. It's a lot of teams unexpectedly moved away from the type of game that you were expecting them to play. So you were loading up for a conference where you were expecting there to be a lot of big post players that you needed, you know, to that extra strength needed to have the ability to do that. I think Tyana Jackson especially has, has had a little bit of difficulty 
adjusting to the speed of some of the players that she's playing against, which means that Kansas has struggled in ways that I don't think a lot of people necessarily saw coming this year. Um, it will be interesting to see if they can find some sort of adjustment to be able to get back up towards the top. Um, you know, but I mean, I think the, the the two teams that surprised me the most have been West Virginia, who has done quite a bit so far. You know, they were up by 14 against Kansas in a field house uh, before falling apart in the second half as, as Kansas just completely flipped everything on its head. Um, but then Oklahoma State has done really well so far. You know, Baylor getting the big win in Allen Fieldhouse against the Jayhawks and then immediately going and playing against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State beat them. And I believe that that game was on the road for Oklahoma State. Um, so, like, it was a it was a huge – like, they have had some pretty big wins so far. They, you know, they played Kansas really tough until the last – until the fourth quarter when Kansas finally pulled ahead. This is a team that's been a lot tougher than I think a lot of people expected. And, you know, in their first season under a new head coach, um, it's been a very, very interesting conference slate here. And I mean, you know, as, as difficult as the men's side is and as interesting as the men's side is, I think I'm more intrigued by the women's side because there's so many unknowns. The men's side, you know that all of those teams are good, that honestly, any single one of those teams could make the NCAA tournament and could go on a run here, you know, in conference play. And yes, that includes even Texas Tech. Like this is the men's side. There's so much chaos that you just you like almost expect everything to happen every single night. Whereas on the women's side, there are legitimate storylines developing, but we're watching them develop in real time and don't really know where it's going. It is certainly interesting. It's certainly a deep conference. And there is one other team whose depth we have to talk about. And that's the team at Homefield Apparel, who not only has more than 100 schools available, they have every current and future Big 12 school there. Look, I know they're doing updates, and so far it's all just you know former rivals of West Virginia and no current Big 12 teams. But um, the staff continues to be absolute fire, and if you have not shopped there yet, what are you doing? What are you, as my children would say, what are you doing? Okay. It's not hard. You go to homefieldapparel.com. If I had to spell that for you, I will. H-O-M-E, home, field, F-I-E-L-D, apparel, A-P-P-A-R-E-L. Maybe you left a P out, dot com. Don't spell dot. Just actually put a period there just in case you don't understand how the internet works. It's okay. We've all Great work finding various this, Various websites. So. Yeah, thank you. Uh, go check it out. Go shop for your school. Go shop all the schools. The Tulane stuff, incredible. Hawaii, awesome. Uh, Delaware, absolutely awesome. Like, I, I have a Slippery Rock t-shirt. That's all you need to know. I have a shirt with a rock and a pimp coat and a pennant. It's a great shirt. I have a Zot so baseball go. shirt that is awesome. I, I love that thing. That is that is too cool. That's too cool. Okay. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Shop around. You're not going to buy one thing, which means you're going to have a full cart, and you're going to go, man, I'm a lot of things don't worry you just use the promo code network 12 n-e-t-w-o-r-k-1-2 and get 15 percent off your first purchase every big 12 school available more than 100 schools available the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere it's the kind of shirt sweater hoodie you show up to a game to a bar to an event and everyone goes where'd you get that that's awesome and then you get to feel proud and excited and and say, I got it at Homefield Apparel. Why haven't you shopped there? And then you can tell them our promo code because it's a good one. My my favorite Homefield story was I went actually went to the Big 12 men's basketball tournament 
not this last season, but the season before, wearing my Delaware shirt that I got as part of our SCS school adoptions. Um, and it had so many people that were commented on it. It was it was absolutely fantastic. A team that had absolutely no idea who it was. I got to explain why I actually had the shirt and direct them to home field apparel. So it's, it's great stuff. People love it. Even if they have no idea what it is you're wearing. Go be the talk of your group gathering with some home field apparel. Network 12 or 15 percent off your first purchase. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this basketball, soon to be baseball and softball season. for the 2022 season it's the rvk we're coming at you two ways on two days it's monday and thursday jeremy jn fiend phoenix and me brandon phoenix aka i also hate pit we are the raspy voice kids we are the raspy voice kids podcast you get pop culture monday at 7 a.m you get the west virginia university podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network. Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week, bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen, because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans, and I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 network. All right, we're coming close to the finish line here because uh, I said uh, we have a cutoff time and by golly, we're going to do it. Uh, let's talk about the men's side a little bit. We've talked about depth. I'd like to point out a stat that should still be true on Monday if I've done my research properly, as it is Sunday night at the time of recording this. There are 10 men's basketball teams in the country who have at least five Quad one victories. Ten teams who have five or more quad one victories in the country. Six of them play in the Big 12 Conference. It's six of ten. Six of ten. That's, um, I believe they would call that a majority in just about everywhere you could possibly go. I think I learned that one in math class. Six out of ten. Those ten would be Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State. Boy, golly. It's good to be in the Big 12. I know you said that the race in the women is more exciting, and I think it's more exciting just because we don't always pay attention to it, and so it's interesting to keep track of something that's new and unfamiliar when it's a conference that's been dominated by Baylor for years. But this is still an interesting race on the men's side as well. With Kansas State, uh, top the 12, having a laugh, to quote our good friends over at Bosco's Boys, at 6-1. and one. Kansas at five and two, Texas at five and two, Iowa State at five and two, TCU and Baylor at four and three, OSU at three and four, OU at two and five, and then there's West Virginia and Texas Tech down there. But the difference here is, and again, no insult to TCU on the women's side, that zero and seven in conference play, Texas Tech, is not a bad team. It's just someone has to lose games in this conference, and so far it's been Texas Tech and West Virginia. And 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 to be fair, like Texas Tech has had plenty of chances. They've been really close in quite a few games. Like 
they almost beat Kansas. They almost beat Texas. Like this is a team that has been playing really well and just has not been able to get the results. I do want, I do want to clarify. I'm not saying that I'm not excited about this race or that it's not intriguing to watch. I just think that there's so much chaos to happen between now and, you know, say three weeks from now that we could be looking at this and try to come up with some sort of idea of what we think is going to happen and be completely wrong. And it would make complete sense when we actually got there. Whereas on the women's side, we were starting to see some, some storylines. We were starting to see some things emerge that we can start to make definitive statements about how that race is going to shape up here. I have absolutely no idea how the rest of this, you know, like the next month and a half is going to go in the, in the big 12 conference on the men's side, because every single one of these teams could win every single night. It's, Look, it's exciting as always. It's insane as always. I know that Kansas is inevitable, and somehow, even if they lose a third game in a row, we'll find a way to win this conference. But it does feel this year, because I don't think Kansas, and you mentioned this, Andy, they're not they're not as good as last year. They're not. And it does feel like the rest of the Big 12 has taken a step forward. Kansas State is good. This isn't just some like, oh, how fun. It's a neat story. They were picked to finish last. Like Jerome Tang put himself a roster together. And the duo of Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, and even when Noel's not shooting as well, which he has in the past few games, what he does as a distributor is a fantastic two-man tandem on par with what we're getting out of Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, as well as what we're getting with some of the other teams. And I just, I look at this conference and the storylines that are here, because what's crazy, everybody wants to talk about Kansas State. Um, Iowa State would be the story if Kansas State wasn't doing what they're doing. That's how crazy and good Iowa State's been, but how good Kansas State's been. Kansas is coming off a national championship, and and it's kind of like, okay, cool, Kansas. Like, let's talk about all these other fun things. There's so many fun stories in the Big 12. I, like, I don't want to call what's happening at Texas a fun story because of why they're in this situation, but the job that Ronnie Terry is doing at Texas and keeping that, sh- that train, not just on the tracks, but that team – is at full throttle playing really well as a team. You got four players averaging double digits. This is the best offensive team in the Big 12. Like this is that's a really good story. Shoot Chris Beard out of a cannon into another country. I don't care. Like this is a story where we should not be worrying about him and focusing on how good of a job Rodney Terry is doing and probably going to get the job at the end of the season unless they can poach someone away from Kentucky. Uh You've got four teams that are exciting and fun. Oh, by the way, sitting down there at four and three in fifth place is TCU, who, when they're on, can beat anybody. I'm not, just hands down. TCU can beat any team in the country, period. Doesn't matter if they're playing. And I don't even mean like playing like they did at Kansas, because again, shooting 82, 83% at one point of the game is unrealistic to expect on a regular basis. But when TCU is playing to their ceiling, they are. Absolutely incredible. And then you get Baylor thrown in who, look, they're really good offensively. They're not great defensively, and CBB Analytics will back that up. They do. Uh, Let's see. In conference play, Baylor is the 98th percentile in the offensive rating. In conference play, they're the actual best offense in the Big 12. They're the worst defense with a 1% rating in conference play. That's fun. Not something you usually do in the Big 12. You want to play good defense in the Big 12 if you want to survive. But, hey, even, they're the Oklahoma better, of the men's side. If you flip it over to ranks, so like you look at, you know, the overall rating, they are sixth, yeah. sixth in the nation and just in the in-conference play um, overall in terms of offense and 359th in the nation in defense. Literally as good and as bad as it can get. I mean, you Reminded look at that there are 363 teams. Flipped last year for defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, you look at Ken Palm, Baylor, number I two offense in the it. country. 93rd defense. It's not good. It's not good. It's insane. Like, this is it's certifiably insane how ridiculous this conference is this year. We talked about the out-of-conference versus in-conference on the women's side. I kind of want to do the same thing here with the men for just a second. Now, yeah, everyone doesn't play a murderer's row non-conference schedule. But there, yeah, there are a couple teams who don't play anybody. There are some teams that do. Net rating in the Big 12, overall net rating in the Big 12 and non-conference play only. Oklahoma is the worst team at the 83rd percentile. Oklahoma State's 89th. Everyone else is 97th or higher. Texas Tech was 99th, but that's because we know Texas Tech's non-conference schedule on an annual basis. Then you flip. So everyone's in the green. There's green for good, red for bad. It's all in the green. Everyone's offense is pretty good. I mean, the defense, every defense has a high rating. Like, it's insane. The worst is 85th percentile for West Virginia. Then you go to conference play. We want to just do just conference play on the men's side. And Iowa State, remember, everyone was green in net rating in non-conference. In conference play, Iowa State's at the 85th percentile. Uh, TCU's at the 55th, so they're like a really, really light, soft shade of green. Kansas State's at the 52nd percentile, so if there's green in there, it's like really, really hard to see. Everyone else is in the red. Yeah, let's just put it this way. If, if you're going by by ranks, right? Because you can flip between percentiles and ranks over there, which is another thing I, I absolutely love. Um, Iowa State's at 54. They're the only ones that are green. TCU, at the next highest, is 164th in terms of net rating since conference play started. Um, these teams have been beating up on each other. Like, everybody looks bad when you play other teams in the conference because everybody in the yeah. conference is good, so you make your, your opponents look bad. Compared to a lot of these other teams that have, you know, some awful teams in their conference that they can beat up on and pad their stats. It's interesting looking at this, wondering, can you predict how the season is going to go based off of the net ratings? And I, I'm curious because Iowa State sits at the top, followed by TCU and then Kansas State. Um, Kansas State sits at the top standings. Iowa State's there in second. TCU's not far behind. Like, I'm really curious how this pans out. And if this is something that we look at at the end of the season to go, this was predicting how the standings might kind of end up at the end of the year. It's just we hadn't enough, had enough games played as of yet. I'm really curious how this continues to pan out in conference play as we move along. Um, I just, like, we know the Big 12 is deep. It's the best conference, the best net ratings, uh, best quad stuff. Like, it's just, it's so good. It's hard to find a metric that doesn't back up it being like the right? best at whatever you're like. Literally, at. the there's, only thing... there's less argument this year than I've ever heard. Oh ever. yeah, well because look, Kansas State was bad last year. Yeah. No one, I understand West Virginia fans are down real bad after football season and what's going on in Morgantown right now with their men's team, and they're like, no, they're all terrible. Every every response I get on Twitter, anytime I try and say anything remotely complimentary of West Virginia, is West Virginia fans. Nobody else, mm-hmm. West Virginia fans coming at us being like, this is ass this is terrible why would you say nice things and i'm like okay i'm sorry chug some moonshine and go to bed i just like west virginia's not bad 
yeah, they've got some internal struggles with the coaches. They're not a bad team. You put them in the ACC and they're at worst middle of the pack. Texas Tech is not a bad team. You put them in another conference, they're going to be far better off. They're not sitting at winless in conference play. It's just like someone has to lose games when you play have 10 teams and play a full round. Yeah, it's funny. Like this is the first year where I can confidently say if you take any team from the Big 12 and drop them in any of the other major conferences, that they would be top four. Like – any of them, they, they'd be top four. Big East, I, I can't think of four teams better than Texas Tech in, in the Big East right now. Like, you know, it's Big Ten, you might have an argument, but it's like Texas Tech is is one of those teams that I think looks worse because of who they're playing and because their record has now dipped down to 10-9 and nine overall because they're 0-7 in the conference. But if they had an opportunity to play some of these teams, you know, in other conferences, I have a hard time imagining they'd be beat up this much from game to game and losing this many games. Like I just have a really hard time imagining that any of these teams, if they were in another conference would be outside the top four. I mean, the problem with the <clears throat> big East argument is Creighton's currently fourth in the big East and Texas tech lost to Creighton at home, but. Okay. So maybe I picked like the one example that <laughs> maybe doesn't work, but. <laughs> You're not playing Creighton um, every time. Maybe, maybe you get some no. of the other giving ones. And... Early in the season. The point is, look, we were having, we were having discussions. We weren't because I thought I was a little bit dumb, but there were literally concessions like, should, could the Big 12 get all 10 teams into the NCAA tournament? I'm like, no. Like, that's not going to happen. Look, if Texas Tech goes, like, starts 0 9 and goes 9 0 after that, we could have that conversation. But, like, I don't think the Big 12 is going to get all 10 teams because you can't get let teams in whose conference record is like three, four games below 500. Unless you're Syracuse, you just let them in every year because why not? They won two games in the Big East ACC tournament. Sorry. Syracuse bullshit, Bayheim. Uh, look, we need to wrap this up real quick. We're so, in a two mood things to touch on. Always, I'm in a good mood. It's so nice to have you guys back. It makes my heart happy. Uh, speaking of back, Cyclone Family Podcast. Yeah, well, uh, in, in a in a day or two. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. This week. Yeah, that's the important. Thing. I can I can feel before, confident before saying February. this week. We we okay. we we tried like three consecutive days to record and it didn't happen. It's going to. I've got a great It'll I've got happen. a great discussion topic for us. Well, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, it was a crazy weekend. It was a good weekend, uh, unless your team lost. But I mean, I thought there was some really good basketball played uh, this weekend. Baylor Oklahoma was close. Kansas State comes back off Texas Tech. Texas wins over West Virginia. TCU blows out Kansas. OSU comes back from sixteen down to beat Iowa State. Um. That game was what I thought it would be, minus the OSU win, just because it's the two best defenses in the Big 12 this year. We need to look ahead. I actually just hopped on another podcast before we recorded this one, and I appreciate uh, them having me on because it reminded me what we've been so caught up in conference play that this coming Saturday is the Big 12 SEC Challenge. (laughs) Did y'all know January was almost over? Because I didn't realize that. It's been a month. Um, so let's do this. We like to always end episodes often on Mondays by picking the game we are most excited about. We have 10 games between the big 12 and the sec, a challenge. The sec has won the last couple of seasons. I don't, I think the sec cares more about it than the big 12 does, which is the reverse of football a little bit, but whatever. Um, let's do this. I will run down the list real quick. Uh, in, 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 whatever order I have them up on ESPN. 
I want you to pick the game. You don't have to go long. Let's not. Uh, the game that you are most excited to watch can't be your team. And the game, the uninteresting game, let's say, let's call it the non-ranked on ranked matchup you think might be a whole lot better than we expect. Fair? Are we good with this game? Jamie's giving me a look like, don't ask me to do this. That's I fine. don't watch Jamie, men's just... best. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem, Jamie. Come on. That's a, that's a, that's a you. Okay, let me run through these quick so we want to wrap this up. All right. Uh, we get 20, number 25, Arkansas, at number 21, Baylor. These are Sunday night. I'm sure these rankings will obviously change. Arkansas, going to probably drop out. Uh, Ole Miss at Oklahoma State. Number 16, Auburn at West Virginia. Number four, Alabama at Oklahoma. <clears throat> Number 12, Iowa State at Mizzou. Texas Tech at LSU. TCU at Mississippi State. Texas at Tennessee. Florida at Kansas State. Kansas at Kentucky. Those are the games that we have. Andy, which game are you most excited about just flat out, and which one at least intrigues you that may not be the most marquee matchup? Well, I mean... I'll just leave the Kansas Kentucky one for everyone else. Cause it's against the rules for me to pick it. And everyone knows that that's probably the one that a lot of people are circling anyway. So yes, mm-hmm. I managed to, to still talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're wrong, but go ahead. But yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that Texas Tennessee one to see what Texas can do to see if Tennessee's defense can shut them down. Um, you know, I, I think this is kind of the good, I guess, measuring stick, right. To see, was you know Kansas losing to Tennessee was that just a a bad night for them or does Tennessee really have something that plays well against against Big 12 teams um, I think it'll also give us a really good test for Texas um you know and and how they're going to kind of shape up for the rest of the year playing a, a defense like that in Tennessee um honestly it's probably the most Big 12 like game out of the entire stretch <laughs> like if, if I'm being honest looking at this it's the one that gets us closest to a Big 12 one Big 12 matchup um for, for everything else there. Arkansas Baylor is one that I thought about for kind of the one that I just want to see because it's interesting, but I'm actually going to go Iowa State, Missouri um, to see if Iowa State's offense is actually getting better against a Missouri defense that has been struggling the entire season. Um, and then to see how well this Iowa State defense can shut down a Missouri offense that has been electric at times. Um, plus, you know, I want that, that head-to-head data point of how bad can Iowa State beat Missouri in Columbia compared to how bad Kansas beat Missouri in Columbia. So always, always love uh, head to head data. That doesn't actually be transitive head to head property. I should say, I should say my struggle is that I watch like, I, I really cap out at like big 12 men's basketball. So I don't know. I don't know Jack about these sec teams with that in mind. Jay, let's do either, it. So uh, it. I, you know, what always interests me is seeing how teams play in West Virginia. That is about as weird and tough of an environment as you can find. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but it's it's just like a, a wild place to play. Weird things happen there. It's It's bizarre. And so especially since West Virginia has been able to pick up some really solid wins. I mean, absolutely. I think that that's going to be uh, a really interesting one. Plus you throw in the fact that it's an 11 AM to, well, I guess it's not 11 AM there, but it's a, it's an early game. Like let's, let's get super weird with that one, you know? So I'm, I'm very interested in that. 
Um, obviously, I think that Iowa State's game will be really, really good. And then I, I will say, you know, I think that watching uh, matchups between like Kansas and Kentucky is always entertaining. So I think that just for the entertainment factor, that one would be would be good. By the way, calling Morgantown, any arena in Morgantown or, you know, field in, in Morgantown weird, I think is the biggest compliment that you can give it. So uh, Crazy stuff I know, there. I know Kentucky has won three games in a row. I don't care; they're not normal this year, <clears throat> so I'm not picking that one. That's what I'm going to say about that game. Arkansas Baylor coming into the season, two potential top ten teams, really good teams. Can't wait! Awesome matchup. Neither team has lived up to expectations. Instead, what we get is two teams who Baylor. Number two ranked offense against a uh, an Arkansas defense that I think uh, number two based on Ken Palm against an Arkansas defense that's ranked twenty first in Ken Palm. It's a good defense. It's a good defensive team. They've been a consistently good defensive team. Play Big Twelve style defense. Musselman would fit in real well in the Big Twelve. I mean, every great coach does. But Arkansas fifty second on offense, and it's an Arkansas offense that is struggling. They've had some injuries there. Against a Baylor defense ranked 93rd in Kim Palm. So it's a strength on weakness for strength on weakness matchup. And those typically intrigue me because it feels like it should be a close and interesting game. Now I'm going to lean Baylor because it's in Waco, but I'm very intrigued by that one. Um, let me run down the list here. Ole Miss OSU. OSU should win that one. Uh, hearing Ole Miss's leading scorer, who's the only guy who averaged double digits, might not play in that game or is banged up. And Oklahoma State, yeah, they can't score all that well, but that defense is real dang good. Auburn at West Virginia should be interesting, as you noted, Jamie, because it's in Morgantown, and that team is better than they seem. And Auburn, like, yeah, that's a good Auburn team. We'll see how they handle traveling all the way to Morgantown. Alabama and Oklahoma. <clears throat> nope. Uh, Iowa State, Missouri. Go Cyclones. Yeah, I know. I I know it's a cool story for Missouri, and they're eleven, and they're playing really well. We'll see. Uh, Texas Tech at LSU, the Big 12's worst team record-wise versus a twelve and seven LSU team on the road in Baton Rouge. I'm wondering if that's not a game that Texas Tech, who will be coming off a game against West Virginia this week, that might be one of their last best opportunities for a Big Twelve win unless they can really get things going. But I am wondering if stepping out of Big 12 play for a game is just what Texas Tech needs to get things turned around a little bit. I'm weirdly interested in that game. That's not one that you should be like, circle, this is going to be awesome. But I am intrigued by that one. TCU on the road at Mississippi State. TCU should win that unless they have one of their weird TCU games. Texas, Tennessee, that's the best one. There's a reason game day is going to it. Florida, Kansas State, go Wildcats. And Kansas, Kentucky. I mean, it's a blue blood in name. I'm not sure it is in game this year, given what Kentucky's been doing, but that's fine. Y'all been great. I told you we had a limit. We went slightly over, but we're going to wrap up now before we accidentally hit an hour. I can't, I can't just. I knew, I knew it was going to happen. So I was <laughs> waiting up. for it. Shh, I'm going to mute you. Uh, y'all, if you are a Big 12 Hoops fan, Make sure you're listening to the Midwest Madness podcast. Robbie Triano doing a fantastic job over there. I'm, I know I'm biased because it's our show. Robbie Triano is doing a fantastic job as the host of the Midwest Madness podcast covering Big 12 men's and women's hoops. Go and check that show out. Of course, check out the Cyclone Family podcast. 
Jamie and her brother Eric will have an episode out sometime between now and Valentine's Day. Uh, check out the Rock Chalk podcast. Andy Mitz does a great job covering Kansas. Check out every show in the network. You can find them all at 1012network.com. T-E-N number 12, the word network. 1012 Network on Twitter. 1012 Pod on the gram. We're not on TikTok and we don't plan to be. Uh, don't forget to shop Homefield. We will be back midweek. I've got some interviews lined up. No, I will not tell you what they are because if I do, they will not happen. We will talk to you all then. Podcast Network.